Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Well, good morning. It seems appropriate that I offer at least a couple of words uh, that are personal. First, thank you for allowing me the privilege to be here, Uh, and I give thanks to my friend Doc Hollingsworth for the invitation and the great hospitality. You see, I've admired this church for a long time through the years as a pastor in Georgia, particularly in Marietta and and Augusta. This church was uh, has and continues to serve an important place in the constellation of like-minded Baptists who are seeking to do what they can to transform our little parts of the world. Uh, Bill had asked me earlier, had I been here to preach before? And, well, the answer's a bit nuanced, never on a Sunday morning. So I'm, I'm delighted, even though it is post-pandemic, raining, Father's Day, I'm grateful for the chance all the same. <laughs> Uh, the last couple of times I have preached here was for uh, Hazel Eubanks' funeral. Uh, her son was a member of First Baptist Marietta, and I was honored to be a part of celebrating her life uh, in this very sanctuary. Uh, but also for the Georgia Cooperative Baptist Fellowship some years ago, uh, you as a congregation hosted that assembly, and I was uh, given the privilege of preaching for that occasion as well. There's so many points uh, that overlap here at Second Ponce, I don't want to belabor it. Uh, I do want to just simply thank you for being the congregation that you are. you got a great choir member in Sharon Lim Harl, who is my colleague and friend and confidant at Mercer, uh, but she's also been a, a beautiful face of Mercer University down through the years. Bill, thank you for your personal hospitality. I feel a little ashamed. I'm wearing navy blue, kind of traditional colors where it, the, the point is to not be noticed. He's wearing Mercer University colors. Look at his socks there. I mean, even his socks match our university. <laughs> Finally, before our scripture reading, because you're not here to be uh, entertained by personal remarks, thank you as a church for your ongoing support to McAfee School of Theology down through the years. You are a founding church. You have invested and prayed for the School of Theology in so many ways. I did not know that you had 14 have called and uh, been a part of the lives of 14 McAfee graduates, either as interns or here on staff. Now, that's an investment. Your investment in scholarships cannot be understated. The number one need a seminarian has in our school is that of financial support. Because gone is the day in which they are fully supported to uh, free themselves up for their studies. So when you invest in the scholarships uh, that you so lovingly do and through the endowed scholarship, you are investing in, in, on multiple levels. Thank you very much. Now turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. I'm going to be sharing with you both an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. The first comes from the book of wisdom called Ecclesiastes. It is traditionally authored by an anonymous author that we just simply use in the Hebrew, Koheleth. And you'll hear this in the message. Koheleth has much to say in the area of wisdom, 
Perhaps everybody's favorite passage in Ecclesiastes comes earlier in chapter 3, the passage where it begins, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. But I want to share with you a few words that come beyond this poem that I think are equally weighty in their wisdom. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. God has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, He has put a sense of past and future in their minds. Yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning or the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and to enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in their toil. Our New Testament reading comes out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. I'll be sharing with you one simple verse, verse 62. But as way of background, I remind you that Luke chapter 9 serves as a hinge chapter in Luke's Gospel. That is, it serves as not only the middle of the book, but a theological middle point too. Prior to chapter 9, we read about the history of Jesus, his life and his teachings, primarily in Galilee. But in chapter 9, the very mission of Jesus and therefore the world comes together. In verse 51, we have this elegant verse that reads, He set his face to go to Jerusalem. That is the face of determination, the face of fulfillment, the face of one who is now finally embracing their life's work. And in verse 62, it concludes with Jesus saying, No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. These are God's words for God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. As we have opened scripture, O God, now we pray that you open our minds that we may think with the mind of Christ, that you open our hearts that we may love with the mercy of Christ, and that you open our lives that we may indeed serve in the very name of Christ. For it is, after all, in the name of Christ we offer this prayer. Amen. So a few years ago when I was pastor at First Baptist Augusta, uh, a Cooperative Baptist Fellowship missionary based in India and Nepal reached out to me and invited me to travel to India and Nepal and see some of the mission work going on there because the hope was our church would partner with, with his mission outpost in India and Nepal, which indeed we did and were happy to do so. But I was delighted to have a chance to travel in that part of the world. In particular, I was interested in my time in Kathmandu, Nepal, because it's on the foothills of the Himalayan mountains. I love hiking. That's the way I get out in this world. Doc likes to get out on the golf course. A little too much if you ask me, but that's just me. (laughs) I, meanwhile, like to disappear in the Smoky Mountains and hike on a trail, and feeling a sense of accomplishment when I get on top of that mountain and, uh, and feel a bit closer to God and enjoying all of God's handiwork as our hymn selections reflected. But this was going to be my chance to be close to the highest mountain in the world, the rooftop of the world, as they like to say in Nepal. 
The thing is, I have no desire to climb, climb Mount Everest. I've read into thin air, thank you very much, no desire whatsoever. But I did discover that while I was in Nepal, for $100 you could buy a plane ticket on Buddha Airlines, I'm not making this up, on Buddha Airlines, and fly around Mount Everest. And of course, for $100, I was delighted to do so. And yes, I have been to Mount Everest, and it's as grand and glorious as you can imagine. There's just something about climbing a mountain that not only makes us feel like we have, are closer to God, but perhaps we are accomplishing something in our lives. New York Times columnist David Brooks has authored a book just a few years ago that I commend to you, The Second Mountain. It's a delightful book where he speaks of we all are climbing one mountain in life. That's the mountain of accomplishment. That's the mountain of achievement. That is the mountain of making a name for oneself. As Brooks would put it, it is the mountain that answers, I am who the world says I am. But Brooks argues that we ought to be about climbing a second mountain too. The first mountain you conquer, the mountain of ego, the mountain of I. The second mountain conquers you. The second mountain is a mountain of answering a life's summons. That is, what are you really here for in this world? Answering, if you will, the very call of God. Now our text this morning, Old Testament and New Testament, are mountaintop kind of stories, if you will. I recognize they're not literally on top of a mountain, but they have that kind of peak to them, you know, as if we're climbing something here. One, that is the Old Testament, is authored, as I mentioned earlier, by Koheleth. We really don't know what Koheleth means other than to assemble or to gather. In some English translations, it even calls Koheleth the preacher or the teacher. We're just going to call him by the Hebrew name Koheleth. Have you ever wondered who the author of Ecclesiastes was? Maybe I should say that differently, what he looked like. I mean, is he a young guy telling us all that he knows? I don't think so. I've read Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes sounds to me suspiciously like someone who is up there in years. Someone who has climbed not only the first mountain, but the second mountain and has some things to say. If Koheleth had a t-shirt, it would say, been there, done that. Koheleth is the old man sitting in the rocking chair. And we want to gather close on Father's Day, especially on Father's Day, because there could be a little bit of wisdom, some life's learning to take place. I love Koheleth, the mountain climber who has wise words for our modern ears. Reminds me of the poet Mary Oliver who was reflecting on a grasshopper in her hand eating sugar cubes. And, and she wrote an entire poem about it. I'll spare you the poem, but I encourage you to look up Mary Oliver, Summer's Day. It's a beautiful poem, but she concludes it with these lines. What is it you want to do with your one wild and precious life? That's Koheleth. That's Ecclesiastes. You've only got one life to live, brothers and sisters. God is summoning you. What are you going to do with it? And then we have this New Testament guy, Jesus, who's anything but old. 
In fact, the chronology of the Gospels tell us that Jesus is in his early 30s, young and brash. I love Luke chapter 9, by the way, because I visualize Jesus is almost chest-thumping. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus, this is the one who said anyone who puts their hand to the plow and goes forth and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's a young man's mission who set his face on his goal and will stop at nothing and no one until his life has achieved and fulfilled. Ah, these two texts of Scripture, an old man looking back and a young man looking forward. And here's the thing, they're looking at the same thing. Living a life that matters. Both of them are inviting us to ask the question, how am I living a life that matters? Or more to the point, answering the summons. Because you see, it's not about a job. It's about a calling. It's not about a career. It's about a vocation. It's not about making a living. It's about making a life. Psychoanalyst James Hollis puts it this way, that we all have a job to do. A job is how we earn our way in the world. Many of us are fortunate to to get paid to earn our way into the world, but we all have a job to do. Likewise, we all have a duty to serve. Bill, you served in the military. That was your duty. And let me let you in on a little pastoral secret. Sometimes as pastors, it's just a job. And sometimes it's our duty. It's not always fun, but we want to earn our way into the community. We want to be able to give back to the community. But Hollis goes on to say, then there's the vocation, the calling, the divine summons, where God is reaching deep into one's life and drawing us out to live purposefully and purposeful. You see, at McAfee, our focus is on vocation. In fact, when we, as we will have in a couple of months, our new students, our first-year students gather together, we'll have orientation. And so we have faculty involved, we have administration involved, we have staff involved. And I give the welcome, you know. And I say, I'm so glad you're here. Many of you have moved great distances to come and prepare for ministry. And we welcome you here. And then I say to them, but if you've come here to achieve a degree in order that you may get a job, you've come for the wrong reason. Don't get me wrong. I want our graduates to be employed. That's a good thing. I have two adult children. I want them to be employed. But that's not what we are about. We are about discerning and nurturing and equipping the call. And I go on to say to them, we are the most important school at Mercer University. And I do not mean that ironically. Because at the end of all of our days, it is about the call. Nurturing the vocation, the summons that God has for each and every life. That's just it. God calls each of us, every one of us, retired or actively working in our profession, like we are likewise all called of God. God calls us to love fundamentally. 
Jesus said as much when he said the greatest commandments are summed up to just two. You know them. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And if what you are doing cannot answer those two commandments, then maybe you're not in your calling either. Frederick Buechner put it this way, the place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Or maybe we should look at Howard Thurman. And I know that many of you are not familiar with the name Howard Thurman, but you should be. Howard Thurman is a New Testament scholar, was a New Testament scholar, uh, former president of Spelman College, a Christian mystic and a pastor, But what's most important in Thurman's life was that he was the influencer behind Martin Luther King Jr., particularly his theological formation and inspiration behind his speeches. Though Thurman was preaching in the 40s and 50s, his words continued to live on in the practical work of Martin Luther King Jr. Once Howard Thurman remarked that don't ask yourself what the world needs, which is interesting I work in higher education. We're all about helping students answer that question. What does the world need? Go and Google it yourself. What are the top professions you ought to be majoring in in school? The first one is something along the lines of computer science. I'll go on to say health informatics is very popular at Mercer. There's uh, engineering uh, uh, degrees. I'll tell you what isn't mentioned, theology. You're not going to find theology anywhere there. Howard Thurman says... Uh, counter to this, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is for you to come alive. Didn't Jesus say that? Put your hand to the plow and move forth. Because you see, every leader, every seminarian, and all the rest of us are answering the question of Victor Frankl, what is life asking of me? Because you can be an exceptional banker, but if you're not living a life that matters, what does it matter? You can be an astute engineer, but if you're not living a life that matters, what does it matter? You can be a a, a teacher, a a preacher, a physician, but if you're not living a, a life that matters... What does it matter? I think the summary of all of Scripture, and that's a sweeping statement to make, from Old Testament to New, from Genesis to Revelation, is concerned with bringing it all down to how are we answering God's call in this world for our one solitary life. And every single Sunday we're hearing different shades of that. And we're invited to give different responses to that. Bill knows some of this, as does Sharon. Um, I have two sons, wonderful boys. They're both employed, by the way. And, uh, have, uh, and I'm so grateful for their lives and giving me reason to celebrate on this Father's Day. Uh, my youngest son, his name is Aaron, and as the bio says, he's also married to Aaron, so it gets a little confusing in our household. Aaron, for a couple of years, taught sixth grade science. Uh, at Harlem Middle School just outside of Augusta, Georgia. But Aaron was not happy with that, wasn't fulfilling, and I knew he was struggling because dads kind of know these things and in conversation. And so, so a few months ago, he um, enlisted in the Army. 
And, uh, and Bill, by the way, this past week, he passed the threshold of moving from a trainee to a soldier. You know what that means. And uh, we're looking forward to his graduation at basic training. I want you all to think about the humor of this for just a moment. He found basic training easier than teaching sixth grade science at a middle school. <laughs> but anyway, I'm proud of both my kids and I'm proud of my youngest son and, and what he is accomplishing with this. Now, I give you all of that as background material to just simply say on social media, you know, I keep up with his regiment and in particular um, uh, his company through Facebook. I, I can't do that personally with him, but I can just get high elevation of what they are sort of doing, that kind of thing. And when you're on social media, when you link on to, say, sites that are connected with the military, suddenly the military thinks that you're a candidate. So I'm getting all kind of advertisements recruiting me, which is terribly flattering because I'm 55 years old and I know I'm too old to be recruited, but it feels good. Now, Bill, I don't know if you know this, but the Army has uh, developed a new campaign for recruitment. And, and, and I would like for you to look this up later on today. And it stunned me and gladdened me. The campaign is called this, The Calling. They feature five soldiers, give them a little bit of their personal background, as well as how they're serving our country in the military, all beneath that simple title, The Calling. Brothers and sisters, if the United States Army can understand that everybody is seeking to answer something deep within their being, I think the church has this. And so while I say that McAfee School of Theology is the most important school at Mercer University, I want to say that Second Ponce, the Leon Baptist Church, has one of the most important missions in the city of Atlanta and in this world because here is where we are cultivating in one another and all those who dare to listen in on us about how God may very well be summoning you to live a life that matters. So may we all faithfully put our hand to the plow and not turn back. And while we are plowing our respective fields, may we listen again to the words of Koheleth and Ecclesiastes. It is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.